Hello, and welcome to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. I wanted to um, to have this meeting today, and uh, as you know, our special guest is Jerry, one of our own, if you will, and uh, we're very, very excited to have her here. Uh, she's been really responsible behind the scenes and supporting uh, this podcast, uh, which we're really grateful for. She also has been uh, just a source of inspiration for so many of the REAP students. You know, it's, it's amazing because REAP is all about, at least in my mind, transition. You know, going from this is where I am today, this is where I want to be, and putting those resources together to get to where you want to be in the long run. When we see individuals in REAP take those steps, it's um, quite impressive, it's admirable, and, uh, and we like to applaud that effort and, and encourage it uh, because everybody wins when that happens, you know, when we have more exposure in the marketplace, diversity, and so many other things. So, and Jerry, I uh, wanted to thank you. You've had a, a major milestone that you've been able to achieve, and we're very happy to have you here today, and thank you for agreeing to do this. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let, let's do this just to kind of start off. Uh, you know, everybody pretty much in brief is familiar with you for the most part, but a lot of them probably don't know your, your background and how you started off. And actually, your background had nothing to do with real estate at all. So uh, if you don't mind, share a little bit of that with us. You know what, Joe? That's actually, that's actually not the truth. Okay, cool. But see, that's <laughs> now we, we get to the real deal. There's so, so much. There's so much to unpack there, yeah. right? My background actually kind of did start in real estate. My mother was a, a commercial agent, a residential and commercial agent. Okay. So I kind of people were like, well, what was your first exposure to uh, to real estate? My first exposure was going to open houses on Sundays. With my mom and going on caravans, which I love because it was like, man, we're going to stop at the house, look at all this great stuff and eat cookies. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, eat food. You know, as a kid, it's like, oh, no, this is great. And get back in the car, go to another house, eat some more. Fun. So that was my first exposure to real estate just altogether. But I didn't get involved in it, you know, with with my mom. It was just it didn't have a, a sway for me to actually be in the business. The family business actually was one of my father's, my father was a professor at University of Texas, but one of his, you know, legacy projects was a radio station. Okay. And it's KAZI 88.7 in Austin, Texas. It's still in existence, a community radio station. And so the family poured their heart into the, into the business and uh, into the community. So one of the first things I got to do 13 years old was be a disc jockey. Wow. At 13. Yeah. At 13. I'm on the air, my own show, me and my brother, teen scene. But we, you know, my parents, of course, held us really responsible. We had to bring rap and hip hop to a community that was only doing old school rock, you mm. know, classic rock. So it was just, it just really blew up the whole community because, uh, you know, that was the popular music at that time. And uh, no one had really had the exposure to it. No one was putting it out there on the airwaves because that just wasn't the popular market. So, right. yeah, I started being a disc jockey at 13 years old while mm-hmm. running track in school. And I was actually it, it, that transformed into disc jockeying into uh, nightclubs as well. Parties oh, and wow. nightclubs. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was disc jockeying in parties and nightclubs before I was old enough to even be in there. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But, you know, we came in before everybody else. Nobody ever pays attention to the DJ until something goes wrong in the booth. Right. But, you know, we, we had our routine down pat. And so, I, you know, did, went from that and stayed in radio, television and film. And actually, in 2017, left a 30-year career in media. Okay. Actually, because I, I came to Atlanta, worked for CNN, and I've been with CNN in management and technology training. And that... Gosh, marketing, very vast career there. So really, really, really wanting to get back to 
a dream that I had because, you know, if you're doing something for a long time and you're not happy about doing it, people, you know, ask you, so what did you want to be when you grew up? And yeah. the answer was clear for me. I wanted to be an architect. Okay. I wanted to be an architect. I, I loved what my mother was doing, but I loved the building part of it. I loved the rooms, I loved the structure, I loved the design. And so it was really clear for me. So it was taking this massive ship, mm-hmm. this cruise line of a life that I had developed and turning it. And, you know, you can't just turn a cruise liner, right? Uh, you can't uh, just take a hard left. You got to make incremental changes. So that's what I just started doing is making those incremental changes. But I made them incrementally in the in the midst of, you know, actually a lot of loss. Lost my mom and my grandmother, like within a year's time. But I knew my life had to change because not only was I in grief, but I wasn't happy. Yeah. You know, I didn't have that joy. So it's like, okay, I gotta gotta do this. It's like, and and the stress of it all got to me. And the doctor said, you, you gotta change your life or you're gonna, you're out of here. Yeah. The stress is too much. Mm. So people are like, well, how hard was the choice? Like, hmm, change or die. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. Not too hard, huh? Not too hard of a choice. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. So I said, let's, let's let's take a deep dive into what we really want to do. Let's let's look at real estate. Let's let's look at you know not just look at it, but do more than what we've been doing. Because I had bought some houses, flipped a couple houses, you know, had some buying holes with my uh, husband at the time was married, and I was like, okay, we're we're gonna just turn the ship completely. We're gonna keep making the rest of these incremental changes. And uh, man, after that, it just you know it's kind of like going from the edges of a moving river where it's not moving real fast to the middle where it's just carrying you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I ended up kind of here, got a chance to get exposed to Quinn Green, who t- uh, told me about REAP, got a mm-hmm. chance to get involved in REAP. And I didn't know how vast the rabbit hole went, but <laughs> I went from, okay, I'm going to learn everything that there is to know to going there's no way I'm gonna learn everything there is to know. Right. Right? Yeah, it's way too worse of a market, that's for sure. You yeah. gotta pick your your niche and kind of go with it. Well, that was, you know, what brings us to this opportunity because you know, having exposure to residential, knowing and being advised to get into commercial, just really wanting to find my, you know, my niche. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh fast forward to being on these calls with you. And uh, listening to all the exposure and all the people and all the contributions uh, week after week after week. And then you brought Willie on. Willie Ackerman, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. But let's, let's talk about that because um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, as to how you went from, I just want to get a, a little bit of knowledge. And then as we were kind of mentioning before the call, you kind of, get into a space where you say, okay, I, I can't learn all of this. I can't do all of it, but let me figure out what feels right for me and kind of go with that and see if I can pursue that. Uh, oftentimes, um, taking little bits and pieces of what your goal is and trying to, you know, it's the old story of eating an elephant, right? One piece at a time. So yeah, take that little piece down. You know, it was interesting because we, we're always trying to bring people of value you know, to the to the discourse and to the podcast so everybody, you know, can get something from it. We often ask, you know, what do you guys want to hear about so we can bring those type of guests on? And um, I thought the Willie situation was good because, you know, and we'll have that, that podcast available, <clears throat> but he had, you know, and I was part of this, seeing this girl go from a gym counselor at a elementary school to being retired and like, it was like three or four years. It was unbelievable. With passive income of over three hundred grand a year, and it's like, what? How did one of that? And I'm and, and I I know how it happened because I did it. Right? I did the problem. Yeah. So you know, I thought it was just an amazing story. And you know, this this um, woman happens to uh, she's physically disabled. You know, so she she gets uh, that support from the government. But you know, generally when you have someone like that, that, that you know the, the fear is even greater. You know, mm-hmm. because it's like, well, I have this disability and people aren't going to listen to me. And I asked her about even being on this this call. And she was like, no, 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 I can't do that. can't do that. You know, just because she's not fluent in the way she speaks and, and all of that, but she's getting it done. And so I thought it was great to have Willie on. What, what do you think about that Willie podcast um, really touched you and moved you to action? Yeah, 
so I heard the story. I was in touch with it, and I, it it moved me. And then, for whatever reason, I'm trying to really kind of go back and think. Um, and, well, actually, Will and I it, it hit later when he began to talk and talk about the model. My mind just started doing math right away, and the whole thing it just went kerthunk. And I know, you know, I've sat on a lot of these calls, and I'm just quiet like everybody else, and they're like. But when Willie started talking and it hit for me, all the questions started to drop. And Joel, it was funny because I kept interrupting and interrupting, you know, like I never do. And I'm like, okay, we're going to take this offline. And I was like, well, make sure I get his information. Joel, make sure I get in contact with him. And Joel was like, okay, yeah, easy. Come on, I got you. <laughs> right, we were 20 minutes in, but it just, like I said, you know, when you're looking for your niche and, you know, you're doing what you need to do in the business, but that hit, you know, like a ton of bricks. And in a later conversation with Willie, he asked me, he said, well, so what is it about this that really works for you? And I said, you know, I just kind of did a, a deep dive spiritually for a second. I said, I'm a proponent for small business. I'm a proponent for entrepreneurship. That's just something for me that has resonated well. Like my, my parents built the radio station for to have a voice for the community, but it was nonprofit. And I remember having an argument with my parents going, we could help the community so much more with commercial revenue and ad revenue. That, that could be, you know, they're like, no, 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 it's got to be this. Like, okay. But for me, I'm a little more, you know, my parents were a civil rights household. So it was kind of, we had a lot of Malcolm, Malcolm X, a lot of MLK. And I was a little more on the Malcolm X side. I was like, we need some, you know, some revenue. Oh, huh. <laughs> Well, like by any means necessary, including So for me, in all of my learning about it, you know, because I, I I got a degree in African American studies. One of the things that was most important is that, that people have have access to uh, money, and not just through jobs, money that people give them, but to be, be able to create their own money. And I was really impacted by the history of a lot of our businesses being burned down and. People run out of town and run out of business and really stripped of their opportunities for that kind of freedom. Because mm-hmm. freedom just being free, and then there's the freedom to live life the way you want to. Sure. So entrepreneurship for me gives people the opportunity to create their own freedom mm-hmm. in their lives the way they want to. So that that's major for me. Yeah. And that's the legacy I want to live. Gotcha. So that that's really what came out of you when you dug deep. And saw the value of this. You you kind of, I guess, saw yourself in that stream of time. Hey, I can create this for myself and then teach others and help them, you know, which is which is a powerful thing. You know, that that's I think one thing that that we have in common, which is why we get along so well, is uh we, we kind of want the same thing. You know, we want to see small businesses thrive and and achieve. I know one big thing that I was a, a zealot for for many, many years was uh financial literacy. Mm. And, and helping minority communities build generational wealth. And the best way to do that is, is real estate, you know, when you look at it. And it's to me, it's it's so important because you have a dichotomy of, of, of dichotomy of situations where if you're always begging somebody else for money and for federal programs and for handouts and everything else, you're always going to be disrespected. Yeah. So it's like, here you come begging again for money. Here you, yeah. come. you you want this from me again. I've always, I work hard, I made money, now I got to give part of it to you. And you're always going to have that division of people. And in order to have that same respect, it's when you can move in next door to that person that was looking down at you. That's right. You know, when you can actually, when they admire, you know, what you're doing out there or that, you know, not necessarily material things, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's the car or the this or the that, you know, because we tend to get too wrapped up, I think, on material things. but it's really building building value, you know, and, and creating an environment where you have that family bank, where sure. the family can be self-sustaining and fund yeah. the next generation's projects. So you see, I can get off on a soapbox on this, but this is- Oh, no, why are you playing? You want to talk about power. How about you know the mortgage is the house that they live in? <laughs> <laughs> That's power. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So- yeah, so no, it, it all plays into that. So I'm I'm glad you were able to share with us how, you know, that part of it really, really hits you. You know, one thing I, I want to say, and I, I mean, mention of this every week, James, Cassandra, Mahalia, uh, William, all of y'all, if, if you want to participate, you know, raise your hand, ask, ask any questions that you have. 
this is for you guys. It's not just for me and, and Jerry. So feel free to, you know, participate in any way you can as we kind of go through this. So, but we, we appreciate you being here. So going forward, so you, you got a chance to hook up with Willie. What would you say happened next? What was the next big thing? Oh, yeah. So, you know, we had a short conversation. You know, I, I pestered him with all the questions that I had from the call. And uh, he was like, well, I really need to, I really need to show you this. I really need to show you the models that we've already got done. that are already working. I was like, so what day do you have available this week? Mm-hmm. So we actually connected that week. He gave me some addresses, let me in a couple of buildings, gave me some addresses. And I immediately started to walk through, look at the structure, do the math in my head. We, you know, had a lot of conversations about, you know, how the leases worked and how the relationship with the clients worked and the deals that he'd done before and just really ran through a lot of that. And then I think after that, maybe first meeting, I was like, all right, let's find me a deal. Find me a deal. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's really kind of how that went. And I think he came up with a deal for me that next week. Mm. Yeah. It. That next week, we started looking at uh, opportunities. Yeah. So, so, you know, so fast forward, you found this particular opportunity on the South side and okay. what made you decide that this was, was the one, you know, why did you decide to, um, to move forward with that, that particular opportunity? So this one, this is in Stockbridge and uh, Stockbridge Road in, in Jonesboro. There were a lot of things that immediately jumped out for me, you know, having done rehabs and work with contractors, you know, doing rehabs, there was a few aesthetic things that jumped out immediately. Mm-hmm. One, the building had a new roof. I was like, okay, we're, we're gang going gangbusters there. New roof. And it was already renovated. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. This is a, we're on top right here already. Mm-hmm. This building has already been gutted, renovated. And then the quality, I'm a stickler for details. So I'm looking in tight corners. I'm looking straight up, you know, I'm like mm-hmm. looking at angles and lines and, you know, quality and that sort of thing. And it was all there. The renovation, this building was 70% renovated completely. The landscaping was tight. The finished work was really great. And everything was clean. And I was like, okay, so this already has, you know, 90% of what I need. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is, okay, let's talk numbers. The other great thing was that it's in Jonesboro. It's, you know, outside the city. And I know a lot of people were moving out to these areas because it's more affordable Mm -hmm. during covid you know, people are still needing opportunities to have offices. Uh, oh, and that was the other thing. The building was the the available and already built out offices, already had leases, existing leases. And we're like, okay, we already have money coming in. We don't have enough of it, but we have some, you know, so we've got revenue to work with. We're not starting from scratch and knocking down this and tearing this out. We're, we're actually just adding additional office spaces. That was it. So that was an immediate draw for me. The city of Jonesboro, it uh, is a nice, neat little main, you know, main street area. So this particular office building is right off downtown Jonesboro. It's like, you know, it's one side street. It's close. It was close to the courthouse. It was close to, um, it was walking distance to the courthouse, as a matter of fact. And I knew Jonesboro is a growing market, people moving out there. That was kind of it. You know, it's just kind of close to what was going on. It was really cool, too, because I was going there and I turned the corner and I saw Slutty Vegan, I was like, oh, okay, I got family in town. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's another good sign. Because, you know, that's um, one of the, the things about new businesses, they're moving into markets where, you know, markets are underserved. And I'm like, I got it. Yeah. yeah. No, beautiful, beautiful. So you're, you're right. When you look at this particular property, you know, it, it had, we always like to say good bones, you know. And, and so, you know, one thing when, when you size up a, a real estate deal, I think you made a very good point there. It already had cash flow. So you already have some support in order to service the debt while you're trying to turn it around. The place was clean, you know, well-established, uh, kept nice and neat, which says a lot for the ownership uh, mm-hmm. of the building and the people that are currently in there. Talk to me a little bit about the business model. You know, why did you think that this model would be good for this particular location? Because you talk to most people about office space during this pandemic. And they're running the opposite direction. They're saying the last thing you want to buy is an office building. Mm-hmm. So why would you look at buying an office building? What was unique about this situation? Well, what we found was interesting is that there are essential businesses during COVID and the essential businesses have just blown up. There are a lot of businesses, you know, that have gone under. 
but a lot of businesses in COVID and a lot of entrepreneurs in COVID have gone gangbusters. So there is still a need for space. There's a need for occasional space. There's a need for technical space where people are like, I just need a physical address Mm -hmm. because I am a, you know, small house entrepreneur. I've got five people working for me. Four of them are on the road. I just need a place for somebody to go sit. The structure, the way we've got a structure, there are private offices where you're not necessarily interacting with people a lot. And also really having foresight. COVID will not last forever. It will be around for a while, but it's not going to last forever because it can't, our world, just our world together cannot sustain being in an eternal pandemic. So looking long-term, yeah, people are going to come out of it. They won't want those big office spaces. They will want small office spaces. Mm-hmm. The other thing about it is that people um, have lost they've lost jobs and they want are seeing this uh, this time as an opportunity to not just create but really kind of uh, foster and flourish their small existing small businesses. Like I said, some of them have started doing so well, they have to get office space. They have to at least get some sort of space. And they don't want the big spaces. They don't want the open, you know, kind of we work. Well, you must have read my mind because that that was the next thing I was going to ask you. You described this model, and you know I know, but I'm I'm, it's trying to help people to understand that this isn't we work. Because the first thing to do here is, oh, yeah, that's we work, and they fail. Right. Right. So the, the uniqueness of this that makes it not WeWork and that's making it successful, what would you say is that again? If we were just to capsulize that one little piece of it, what, what is that, that small difference that makes it more unique and successful than like a WeWork? Well, and it's not a, it's not a mega space. It's a small space, mm-hmm. right? And they're small space, small offices, and they're far more affordable, yeah. far more affordable than WeWork, Yeah. And we're maximizing that square footage, minimizing the expense, making it affordable for the entrepreneur. And then it's a small building. So we're we're not, you know, not checking out like a hundred offices and that sort of thing. And we're not turning, we're not having people sharing offices either. So that's that's one of the major differences. Gotcha, gotcha. So talk to me a little bit about the the upside. Why this particular site? You know, you, you mentioned about it being off the square and everything else, but is there any potential for upside growth in the future at this particular location? Yeah. So one of the cool things about this deal, love working with Willie on it uh, because we've gotten to a great negotiation price with the seller. Mm-hmm. And then Willie said, hold on just a second. I, you know, somebody else brought some, something to my attention. A former client actually looked at this. This was a different deal before. So we went back and researched the deal a little more. And the original offering, they were offering two buildings and, and uh, an adjacent house. So the second building now was gone. It's raised. I mean, it was just an empty lot. So we're getting the lot with this deal, which was great. So getting a building, the 6,000 square foot building and an empty lot, which was big enough to build on. But we also went back and renegotiated for, so that's another half an acre. We negotiated for the adjacent house, uh, which was already zone commercial on an additional half acre. So all in all, we're getting an acre and a half of renovated building less, 80% complete, 40% leased up a lot that's uh, ready to go buildable lot and an additional half acre lot with a uh, property zone commercial and a house that's can be easily torn down to do another project. So that, that for me was win, win, win that filled up my whole 2021, 2022 uh, goals and objectives. Gotcha. Gotcha. So so looking at that, so you have the one building, you have the potential for building two more uh, going forward in the future. What, what about revenue off of the existing site? Because you, you mentioned about this single family house that's there and there's land uh, behind it. You know, how could that generate revenue for you currently in order to help offset your uh, your debt service? Right. So because it's done commercial, we have an opportunity to, you know, once the current tenant, you know, decides kind of what she's going to do or we kind of work it out with her. There's an opportunity to have that site be available for uh, construction companies to actually, you know, park trucks on. We've also kind of reached out and talked to uh, car leasing spots. Just a lot of different ways, uh, not a lot, but, you know, a few different ways we can generate income just for that lot and that house 
also construction companies that need, you know, places to park equipment, not just like trucks and stuff, but just kind of maybe even function out of, you know, maybe they don't have construction trucks. Maybe they just have, you know, pickup trucks and they just want to store materials, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so additional opportunities for revenue there from that yeah. standpoint. That's, that's fantastic. And then um, as regards the the financing, you want to go into that a little bit as to how that all came together? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, that <laughs> we can talk about it. <laughs> I mean, one thing I appreciate about you, Joel, you, you know, anybody that knows Joel's work, he's walked through this whole process with me. You know, I've worked with Joel on a couple other deals, but there was never a time where I didn't have a question that he didn't have a you know, a, a term paper answer for me. <laughs> you know, I'd ask Joel one or two questions. He'd give me a term paper text, but but I know that I, you know, I fully kind of really understood it at the time to be able to be comfortable enough to move forward. One of the things that we kind of talked about and laughed about was uh, courage, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's never been done before. Mm-hmm. And in your life, you know, to get what you want, to get, you know, where you want to go, you'll have some, a lot of never been done before. So the financing for this deal, you know, this has never been done before. I don't know what you want to highlight about it. It's just, well, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I was giving you the freedom to take it as far as you wanted to go. I, I think one of the main things that's, that's worth mentioning is that at the end of the day, this wound up being a nothing down deal. Oh, yeah. You might say, you know, well, how is that possible? But the way we structured it by means of the first mortgage, the senior debt on the financing on it, we negotiated with the seller in order to hold a second on the property. So that came into play as well. And then we negotiated with the first lien holder to set up an escrow account for all the repairs that are necessary for the property. So while and Jerry did require uh, a down payment, uh, from that standpoint, all of that money basically comes back to her. And at the end of the day, her investment will be zero dollars in uh, for the main for the most part because everything is covered in the financing of the deal, which right. is phenomenal. So if, if what, what's your return if you're able to get into a deal with no money out your pocket? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Joel, you had to keep reminding me of that. I'm like, yeah, but I still gotta bring money to the table. It's like, yeah, but you're getting all of it back. And so there's like no risk here. It's like, okay, okay. Yeah, that is an infinite return. <laughs> yeah. An infinite return. Yeah. So so when you think about it, I mean, the, the, the thing about it is that there's a lot of times people hesitate to jump into things. Yeah. Because they're like, well, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? And the best thing is to just have the conversation. You know, have the conversation, figure out if there's a way to get it done. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But until you have that conversation, you don't know. And uh, I, I will say this, I really wanted to, to have you as a guest today because, as I mentioned, and I, I mentioned this before, all of you got on the call, over the years, I've read a lot of books, you know, people look around my office, they see all these books that I have. And one of the ones that I remember reading was about Don Peebles. And many people know him, he's one of the richest Black men in America at, at this point in time. And he started off as an appraiser. And I know many appraisers that don't have that kind of money, <laughs> right? So it's like, what did he do in order to go from this being a real estate appraiser to being worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars? And oftentimes when you read that story, for the sake of it being a story, you miss those little nuances that took place day in and day out because so many years have passed that you don't get the full essence of the story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, well, he did this and then he closed and then, you know, he sold the building and he made this money. And it's like, okay, well, but what happened all in between those steps, right? And so one thing with, with you and Jerry is I wanted to have you on to kind of discuss that while it's fresh in, in both of our minds, really, you know, what took place here and how did this all go down and how did it transpire? Because, you know, if, if we're trying to lift everybody up, it serves as inspiration that anyone can do this. You know, if you have the courage to do it, because there is some fear that's that's naturally there, you know, becoming someone that you haven't been before. There wasn't some fear. There was a lot of fear. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just straight up, there's a lot of fear going, OK, um, hmm, yeah, and it's in the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. right? 
And for the most part, you know, a lot of people I talk to are like, yeah, I'm not even leaving the house. I'm doing whatever I'm doing from inside of my house. I'm not leaving the house. I'm not talking to people. I'm not meeting people. So on top of my own personal, can I do this? Will this work? Will I fail? Will I succeed? To what degree will I succeed? You know, just all of that, all of those conversations that go on in the human mind, there's, we're in COVID. Not just, will I succeed or fail? Hell, will I survive this, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's real, like, it's just really real. But what was there for me was that I had a, I had a pivotal moment I want to share with everybody because, you know, every day doing this deal is a holy cow moment going, whew, okay, okay, okay. And of course, yeah, by my 20th deal, I may have that holy cow moment. Holy, you know, I mean, uh, hopefully that I still have that just edge of fear. So that keeps me, you know, excited and engaged in it. But I uh, was driving down 285, I was headed to do, you know, something and probably going to Costco. I passed by a, a funeral procession. And I was like, you know what? That's that's the that's the real end game. Yeah. That's the real end game. We we got a little bit of time here. And, you know, COVID really kind of has exacerbated that for me. And I know a whole lot of other people. We got a little bit of time to have what we really want to have in this life and leave whatever legacy we plan to leave. I was with a group of entrepreneurs this weekend, and they were talking about their three and five year plan. Of course, they're 20, 30 years younger than me. I said, okay, but what legacy, what message do you want to leave here and I know you you know 20s and 30s you're not thinking about that but there there is that and there is that opportunity as everybody in commercial commercial real estate we're total trailblazers into oh, creating a world that those coming up behind us get to live in that's you know absolutely amazing um, because it's real wealth and real money that we are more than due more mm-hmm. than due but I saw this funeral procession and I just kind of, you know, respectfully nodded. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It's soon. We don't know when. I don't know when, but it'll be soon. It is sometime. But until then, let me just go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. I don't know. There's a lot I don't know. There's a lot, you know, that scares the ever-loving hell out of me. But <laughs> I'm going to go for it anyway. Because if I'm going to have it, I got to I gotta move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a very, very powerful point, you know, and it's something to always reflect on. And you're right, when you're young, you're invincible, you're bulletproof, <laughs> and you think you'll live forever, right? Right. And, and, you know, you, you tend to realize that, no, there, there is an end to this. And if you don't get going with your plans, you're going to run out of time. I mean, it's just that simple, you know? So you, you got to keep going. And, um, you know, and, and one thing that, that just really hits me also is you look at how you know, if, if you go back 20 years, some of the wealthiest people that are on this planet today were no, not even heard of 20 years ago. You know, nobody heard of a, a Jeff Bezos. Nobody heard of Robert Robert Johnson. Nobody, you know, all these different names. People never heard of these people, you know, and now they're regular everyday names. You know, even Google and, you know, Facebook and these guys. I mean, it's just one of those things. So why can't you be in that narrative? And what you have to realize is that you know, they're there now because of all the stuff they did when you didn't hear about them. Mm-hmm. The stuff you didn't know about that they were doing behind the curtain on the on the grassroots level that elevated them above the crowd. And so for yourself, it's it's always, and for all of us really, myself included, you know, what are we doing at a grassroots level in order to make the next 10 years better than the present 10 years? Yeah. That's that's the work in progress that we always have to wake up in and keep in mind every day. So, well, you said a key word is what's the doing. So what I had to do, like I said, I was talking to a group of entrepreneurs this weekend and we, you know, sharing about who we had to kill off, Mm -hmm. right? Not like as in other people, but who we had to kill off kind of as our own identities. So for me, I had to kill off the the little voice in my head that gave me all those reasons why not. Mm -hmm. All the, well... Well, but yeah, I don't know. I had to just, she just, that volume had to go down to zero, yeah. <laughs> right? And I had to become a person that said, absolutely, no matter what, no matter what, this will succeed and I will push forward. 
with all of the really, really good reasons I have not to do something or not to move forward, that I will do that and take action, you know, just understanding you can have fear, you can have excuses, or you can have results, but you can't have both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it goes toward the, the point of, of also making sure you have a good team. That's behind. Oh, man, I have the best team. I have the best team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I said, Joel, Joel, you've been absolutely phenomenal, extremely patient, you know, talking and walking me through all of this whole process, fought for this deal, fought for the financing, fought for the opportunity, fought for the structure. So great. Willie, 20 calls a day, didn't matter how long, how many calls, what, you know, we were doing and, you know, fought for the deal. The lender also involved, he was like, oh yeah, okay. No, he supports the deal, supports me. Got my uh, my GC. This and this awesome opportunity too, because we're bringing in more REIT people. Amber Lawson from Aspire uh, Construction, fantastic. So yeah, I got a I got a great team. Yeah, you know I, I'm glad you brought up Amber because uh, you know being part of REIT. I wish she was here today. She's probably out working, probably <laughs> doing something. But but it, but it's important, you know, for for all of us, even myself. When when I go out and, and do deals, you try to surround yourself with people who have been down this road before. Yeah. Because it alleviates some of the trepidation. You're still going to have your own anxiety and nervousness, but at least if you're working with somebody who's done this before, it makes it a little bit easier, you know, to walk that pathway. So. Yeah. One thing I kind of really got that you know, real estate is a family. In commercial real estate is even more of a family um, because there's so much we have in common that we have to do and be and overcome to even get here, yeah. not to mention where we're going. And people told me, you know, wealth is a team sport. <laughs> and I was truly believe that because we really will succeed together. And this is an opportunity to build an amazing, amazing community that you know, just revolutionizes how we are as a people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right, which is, you know, again, that's kind of the, the whole idea behind even this, this uh, morning podcast, you know, the, the camaraderie and keeping everybody engaged. You know, like yourself, I'm sure we've been to so many seminars and webinars and this and that over the years. And, you know, you walk away from it. And it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to do this, do that, do this, do that. But with no engagement, nothing ever comes of it. You know, yeah. it just becomes another course or whatever that you spend money on. And, and that's pretty much it, you know. And so to, to be able to keep the family together, engaged, hear about each other's successes and what's being done to actually accomplish those things and not in an environment of, well, I did this and I'm not going to share what I got. You know, you need to figure it out on your own. And you get sick and tired of that. It's like, look, if you're really all about helping other people, then share what you know. Help me make that phone call. Introduce me to that person. Do this, do that. If you're really all about it, you know, if it's all about you and how great you are, then you don't really need to be part of this. And um, I think we run across that too often, you know, where it's it's all about, you know, I figured it out, you go figure it out. And that's just a, a very bad, bad way to be toward people. And so, you know, and I invite any of y'all on, on the call here today, you know, if you know of people that can bring value to this podcast or value to the rest of the week um, by helping to share thoughts and ideas and insights on how uh, people are being successful in commercial real estate, bring them to my attention. I'm happy to bring them on. Um, even our guest last week, well, actually, we, we had technical difficulties last week, but the week before, um, we had Zalika Frazier on the call, who also is a REIT grad. Phenomenal information about um, low-income housing tax credits and whatnot, right? Yeah. It was, it was incredible. So that's that's what this is all about. It's all about helping each other. Nobody knows everything and no success is made in a silo. You know, everybody works together to accomplish things and, and we need the support of each other to get things done. So yeah. So it's a problem. One thing about this this deal I want to uh, make sure we don't forget to mention mm-hmm. was and part of the structure too is uh, take with this office deal taking, uh, you know, this is an office, but I know another lady was working on uh, salon suites, but getting it completely leased up and then refinancing it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're buying at such a low point of entry and then really taking uh, these small offices, even at the low price point, 
still bringing in great revenue and then being able to refinance in six to eight months. Yeah. You know, and then driving up the the equity on the property. Uh, what did we say? It was uh, like two hundred percent. Yeah, 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 two hundred to be able to 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 cash out, and we'll use that part of that for the next. So, like I said, we'll raise uh, that uh, that house, and then we'll um, combine that acre lot to uh, do phase two of mm-hmm. uh, this whole project. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a plot plot change. Instead of doing two buildings, we're actually going to do one larger building going forward. But this this time we were actually able to do this deal without including other people. But the next time or this next phase coming up and we're going to actually start now is actually bringing in other people to have the give them the opportunity, one, to learn about this business and this model and structure, but give them an opportunity to invest and recoup their money, get a nice percentage off of just being a passive investor, but learning wealth building in the middle of it. You know, some people kind of already have and they'll invest at a higher rate, but other people, you know, who want to learn about it uh, will have an opportunity to be involved as well. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a powerful thing. You know, we're, we're actually working on a um, project down in uh, Jackson, Mississippi as well. Uh, it's starting to get some press in the media around it. And, you know, that's, that's part of the idea behind it. It's taking some of the local people as we build this tech community and allowing them to invest and benefit from the development that's in these urban areas. You know, uh, many people talk about the tax credits and the advantages of, uh, you know, doing these opportunity zones and whatnot, and they were good, but the point is, is that do the people in the community really benefit from it from a monetary standpoint? Or is it one rich developer coming in with his cronies and then making all the money and then leaving, and all you really get out of it is a nice new apartment to rent? So, you know, being part of the game where the money is really being made is so much more uh, valuable and understanding how it's being made and participating in that is really of value. So we're trying to spread that around and and get everybody get everybody in the game. So, you know, hopefully this will be the the start of some great things. And I appreciate you sharing that, you know, the idea of of uh, how you want to do it and, and get other people involved as well so they can benefit. So I think that's a great thing. So, you know, again, as we wrap up this call, that was pretty much the idea uh, behind it. We wanted to talk about how at a grassroots level, uh, these deals are getting done, how they're turning into productive opportunities and, you know, kind of see the steps that actually take place along the way. And then we'll follow this journey, you know, with with him, Jerry, we're going to follow your journey and make sure that it turns out successful so we have a good story to tell. Oh yeah, no. we're gonna no. we're gonna have some videos, some media uh, along the way, and you know you can follow me on Facebook, Skyrise Property Group, and follow me on Instagram and Jerry Warfield on Instagram, and because uh, we'll be posting and uh, Aspire will be posting as well, Aspire Construction and Real Estate Design will be posting as well, uh, so you kind of kind of keep track of what's going on, and of course you know Joel Joel will have this full story as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's see, we got a uh, text from William. So yeah, let's take a couple of questions real quick. Hey, yay! Yeah, William down here in Dallas, uh, 2019 class. Cool. Um, new investor looking for my first deal. How do you pick a passive investor to partner with so that they can learn? What value okay. Yeah. yeah I'll run this down you know, pretty quick. Uh, one... Big ups from a Dallas people, Cowboys fan, born and raised in, not born and raised, but raised in Austin, Texas, and all my family's in Dallas. So very cool. And you went to through reap the same time I did. So picking a passive, uh, you're looking for an investor, picking a passive investor. So your passive investor is gonna be somebody that that you have understanding that they're gonna be a passive investor. Like you want to set your parameters around their level of involvement and be very clear about that just from the get-go. It's like, here's what you'll be able to say and here's the influence that you'll have and here's what you won't be able to say. Like, you're going to, you're going to contribute your money. This is your risk. This is your anticipated return. And we want you to, we're going to give you pictures and updates about the project on a regular basis. Agree with them as monthly or weekly on how often you want to deliver those results, uh, those updates to them. 
but you also really want to give them the opportunity to evaluate their own finances. Do you want to take somebody's last $20,000? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, in evaluating a past investor, you really want to uh, have somebody who is very clear. You want to be able to look at their tax returns, have them share their business tax returns, get a statement from their CPA. If they have a CPA, that's going to be really important. But and, and, and then you want to make sure that you only have them invest a certain percentage and a uh, very safe percentage of their uh, disposable or investable uh, savings of that kind of. Yeah. And you said, what value do you need them to bring to you? You need them to not be on your neck every five minutes about your project. The value that they can bring, if they have some expertise in maybe one of the types of models that you're investing in, that can help a lot. Um, If they have some other contacts or resources that can also be a benefit to you as far as being other investors. So if you they have contacts with other investors that also can bring value. But what you really want, you know, is support somebody who's got a little bit of knowledge in what they're doing. If they don't, you need to educate them. That'll be the major thing, you know, educating their investor on what kind of project you're doing, the ins and outs of it, how it could work, how it could fail. And so they're, they know exactly what they're doing. Like they can bring value to you by you bringing value to them and having a full understanding what your relationship is going to look like. I thought that was, that was very good. Actually, I was, you hit the nail on the head on that last part because the, one of the worst things you talk about picking an investor, you might have somebody that has all the money in the world, but if mm. they don't understand real estate and they're going to be calling you every five minutes, you know, what about this? Is, is my money still safe? You know, or uh, I, I saw another deal. Can I get my money back? And I just gave it to you a week ago. I mean, you ain't got time for that, you know? And if you're trying to, to build and develop a, a team to build products and do multiple deals, you need somebody that understands, that has to understand that they're in it for the long haul and that they're not just there to jump in and jump out and uh, are there to support you, you know? And, and then as Jerry said, especially someone that, understands real estate so that they can maybe bring other resources to the table that you might not have uh, would be of value as well. So even with Jerry, that was the whole idea. Let's, let's build a team around her that can help her be successful in this endeavor. And, um, you know, it looks like we accomplished that. So yeah, that, that would be a recommendation. All money ain't good money. Yeah. I've been on some projects and people have thrown cash and I'm like, you know what, if you guys can't justify that, that's going to come back and bite you. And I don't want to be around. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the, the reason why I had asked the question is because uh, two of my cousins and I, we recently like formed our LLC and we're all looking to put up anywhere from 20 to 30 K and, you know, invest in, we, we've kind of focused on, or we're looking at uh, residential, but we're open to commercial real estate as well. So the reason why I had asked that question as somebody who doesn't have all the experience, but is wanting to kind of learn how, like one, you all are finding these deals, how you're structuring the deals to kind of eventually build out my own portfolio. Like, obviously I don't investing with somebody who's experienced. Like I wouldn't be worried about my money One, I'm not accredited, but I wouldn't be worried about it, but I probably would be an individual that would be open-minded to learning and, and have a lot of those questions. So that was kind of like the, the, the basis of, of the question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you might consider just a different structure for that. Yeah, being a non-accredited investor, it's it's more of a riskier situation, right? So you either want to consider leveraging, you know, other ways to leverage your investment, you know, bringing not just bringing, you know, a couple of your cousins on, but bringing uh, more people on so that you're actually having a smaller cash outlay or you and your prime, your principals would be your cousins. So you've got a smaller cash outlay and you want to bring in uh, maybe even an outside lender who also has experience, but more capital. Just, just a thought. Yeah. Okay. And there's more to it that, you know, we could even talk about offline. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say definitely give Joel a call. Yeah, yeah, well, but yeah, in, in all seriousness, uh, even like this deal in, in Jackson, um, the fact that we have an SEC approved um, Reg A plus uh, approval with the SEC allows us to raise unaccredited dollars from individuals. So, you know, that that could be a, a real good way to go because everybody's chasing the accredited investors. 
And the reason why is most people don't want the non-accredited investors because they feel they don't understand money and real estate. And, you know, like Jerry said, you don't want to take somebody's last $20,000. But I think there's a, a safe blend that you can find there between the two. You know, that would be beneficial. So, but um, it's something that can be talked about certainly more offline, you know, if you have something you want to go over in detail. So that would be fun. Yeah. Is the best way, what's the best way to contact you too? Because I don't want to like derail this conversation, I guess, offline. You want to just have them get it from uh, Deneen and Jerry or you got the whole database, right? Do you want to send out a contact info? Oh, yeah. I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Can we, can we do that after the call? Yeah. Do you get that? Okay. All right. You got William's email and information? Uh, I don't. I tell you what, Will, put it in the chat. Okay. Yeah, and we'll just record it there. Okay. So, okay. All right. We'll appreciate that. Uh, believe it or not, we are at 58 minutes on this call. So that was a beautiful thing. So I appreciate everyone coming in today, and uh, we appreciate you being here, Will, and uh, participating in the conversation. So thanks, everybody. We appreciate it. And, Jerry, we want a special thanks to you for agreeing to do this and sharing uh, your story. You know, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. But I, and again, I think it's important for everybody to kind of see at a grassroots level how this happens. So when we look at you 10 to 15 years from now, they're like, and Jerry, how'd you do it? <laughs> hey, this is how she did it, right? <laughs> we'll be able to play the tape back. Let me show you how she did it. We'll play the tape. So yeah, so it's all good stuff. So everyone, we thank you very much for joining the uh Mornings with Joel CRE podcast. And uh, next week we'll be here as well at 10 a.m. We'll be uh, talking about, believe it or not, a topic that was requested by multiple guests, and that was about insurance. So uh, to me, it's a subject that I would never think to have a podcast on, but if everybody wants it, that's what we're going to do. So we'll be covering that subject. And um, there's a lot of very, very valuable information uh, related to ensuring your project properly to make sure that uh, things take place the way they need to take place, especially in a crisis. So we look forward to that and look forward to uh, everybody participating. So thanks so much again. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Appreciate you. All right. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Mornings with Joel, commercial real estate podcast, where we focus on rising stars and established players in commercial real estate and talk to them about how they are building legacies in today's marketplace. Please check back weekly to hear our upcoming guests.